Welcome to Seven Heads, Ten Horns with Klaus Yoder and Travis Stevens. Hello again, it's me, Klaus. I'm back, returning to the scene of a crime of a past podcast, one of the first, the first I think we ever recorded on Paradise Lost. I'm back in Paradise Lost. I've been talking about it with a friend lately. The wheels have been turning my mind. Also, I needed something to fall asleep to. The normal assortment of sports podcasts and history podcasts weren't quite doing it, so I just needed someone to drone on in a kind of nicely stylized English verse to sort of put me to sleep. And instead of sleeping, I listened a little bit too closely to one of the most interesting sections of Paradise Lost, I would submit, which is book two. Book two, this is the Stygian Council at the beginning. This is when Satan gets all of his lieutenants and fellow demons together to make a plan about what they should do. And some of the demons are like, we should make the best of it. Some of the demons are like, we need to just like fight like hell. And Satan convinces them that what they need to do is subvert God's plan with the newly created humanity. Satan's like, I've heard tell that there is this new being that's like us and we need to go mess with this new being as a way of causing God pain. And everyone's like, okay, great plan. What I really like about this book, one of the things I like about it, this, this, this book of Paradise Lost, is how it goes into detail about how the demons kill time Great passages about this. Like, what's, let me find what I'm talking about. So some of the demons, they kind of fly around. They tear around like they're a motorcycle gang. Some of them are off composing poetry. Some of them are philosophizing. Milton writes, In discourse more sweet, for eloquent the soul, song charms the sense. Others apart sat on a hill retired, and thoughts more elevate, and reasoned high of providence, foreknowledge, will, and fate, fixed fate, free will, foreknowledge, absolute, and found no end in wandering mazes lost. Of good and evil, much they argued then, of happiness and final misery, passion and apathy, and glory and shame, vain wisdom all and false philosophy. Yet with a pleasing sorcery could charm pain for a while or anguish and excite fallacious hope or, or arm the obdurate breast with stubborn patience as with triple steel. Others are wandering around like doing like a surveying expedition to see how far their domain of, of hell is and they sort of find all these old monsters they find the river Lethe, the river of oblivion so anyway yeah the, the demons have to kill time until satan like comes back with a report of what they're going to do to mess with humanity and this is the part where i think it gets really interesting satan's like flying up like superman he's on a mission he has rallied the troops he seems like a really impressive leader and commander and the next section i think and that all plays into like the romantic satan satan the rebel satan the revolutionary satan the dignified leader of these demons against a tyrannical god this sort of standard milton like satan line the last section of book two 
calls a lot of that into question, or it could. Well, I'll, I'll say more about that later. It could call a lot into question because Satan goes from being like very dignified to looking kind of scuzzy. And I'll say what I mean. But there's some cool parts where he talks about him trying to find his way out of hell. He has to infiltrate earth. And in Milton's imagination, hell is gated. And there is like a zone, an abyss of chaos between hell and earth that Satan has to navigate. Interesting imagery as Satan tries to find his way towards the gates of hell. There's there's imagery reminiscent of like in the 17th century, recent expeditions around the, the Horn of Africa, Cape of Good Hope, towards, uh, it's, it's talking about like sailing to Bengal and trading, like sort of Spice Island trading and this imagery of colonial expansion and the early ventures of like the East India Company, for example. So Satan's doing that and he gets close to the gates of hell. And so Milton writes, so seemed far off the flying fiend, at last appear hell bounds high reaching to the horrid roof and thrice threefold the gates, threefolds were brass, three iron, three of adamantine rock impenetrable, impaled with circling fire, yet unconsumed. Before the gates there sat on either side a formidable shape. The one seemed woman to the waist and fair, but ended foul in many a scaly foul, voluminous and vast, a serpent armed with mortal sting. About her middle round, a cry of hellhounds never ceasing barked, with wide cerebrian mouths, full loud and wrung, a hideous peal, Yet when they list would creep, if aught disturbed their nose, into her womb, and kennel there. Gosh, it's so gross. Yet there still barked, and howled within unseen. Far less abhorred than these, vexed Scylla bathing in the sea, that parts Calabria from the horse Trinacrian shore. Nor uglier follow the night hag, etc., etc. So sort of comparing this image of this, this female figure to Scylla, monster from Greek mythology, night hags, Lapland witches, writing about the Lapland witches laboring with the laboring moon. And I think the sort of the image of labor and the, the sort of womb imagery sort of repeats throughout this. So that's, he sees this one image that looks feminine. He sees another, like another shape is what Milton writes. And it's interesting here, the editors at the Dartmouth Milton reading room note that death who this other shape is, it's introduced on line 666, which is the, the number of the beast from Revelation book 13, I'm sure, as you all know, if you're listening to this right now. And they also note that when Adam is first introduced, or it's not when, when Adam's introduced, Adam falls in book 9, verse 999. So there's all this like, sort of numerological signaling. Anyway, there's great introduction of, of death the other shape, the sort of interesting vagueness. The other shape, if shape it might be called, that shape had none distinguishable in member, joint, or limb, or substance might be called that shadow seamed, for each seemed either. Black it stood as night, fierce as ten furies, terrible as hell, and shook a dreadful dart, which seemed his head the likeness of a kingly crown had on. Satan was now at hand, and from his seat the monster moving onward came as fast with hard strides. Hell trembled as he strode. 
the undaunted fiend, what this might be admired, admired not feared. God and his son accept, created thing not valid he nor shunned, and with disdainful look thus first began. I like I like the way Milton is is developing death here. And what's what's going on is Satan encounters sin personified as this this uh, this sort of gorgon looking woman with like her her offspring like crawling up into her womb and like screaming like dogs of hell. And death is her son. And Milton is using like sort of an allegorical style here for death and for sin and has the origin story of sin. It's, it's totally fascinating. Satan doesn't really understand what's happening, but, but sin is like, I popped out of your head like Athena. I'm your daughter. But then there's also this incestuous angle where she's like, oh yeah, I popped out of your head. And then like, we did the deed in heaven around the time of the rebellion. Like I'm the, I'm like sort of the, the personal and physical or spiritual, I guess, manifestation of your failed coup in heaven. And this is sort of a surprise for Satan somehow. He doesn't remember like giving birth to a daughter through his head and then impregnating her. And death is their their offspring. Death is the the fruit of their union. <laughs> and um, I remember I was reading through this two years ago when we started the pod and I, I was kind of found I kind of found the allegorical characters a little tiresome. They apparently are very evocative of Spencer's Fairy Queen, which it's been a minute since I've read that. But, you know, I was just, I don't know. I was used to or thinking about, like, the political imagery in book one and other parts of the poem, like the war in heaven, you know, Satan's monologues or soliloquies. And so this, like, allegorical battle, I was kind of like, eh, that's kind of weird. Kind of weird to throw an allegorical thing in the middle of this. But now I'm coming back to it. I think it's kind of, it's really grotesque, but it's it's very interesting. It's more interesting than I gave it credit for. So this is what Sin says. Hast thou forgot me then? And do I seem now in thy eyes so foul, once deemed so fair in heaven, when at the assembly and in sight of all the seraphim with thee combined in bold conspiracy against heaven's king, all on a sudden miserable pain surprised thee? Dim thine eyes and dizzy swarm in darkness while thy head flames thick and fast through forth till on the left side opening wide likest to thee in shape and countenance bright. Then shining heavenly fair, a goddess armed, out of thy head I sprung. Amazement seized all the host of heaven, back they recoiled afraid at first and called me sin and for a sign portentous held me. But familiar grown, I pleased and with attractive graces won the most averse, thee chiefly, who full oft thyself in me, thy perfect image viewing, becamest enamored, and in such joy thou tookest with me in secret that my womb conceived a growing burden. Meanwhile, war arose, and the fields were fought in heaven, wherein remained, and for what could else, to our almighty foe, clear victory, to our part loss and rout. Through all the Empyrean, through all the Empyrean, down they fell, driven headlong from the pitch of heaven, down into this deep, and in the general fall, I also, at which time this powerful key into my hands was given, with charge to keep these gates forever shut, which none can pass without my opening. Pensive here I sat alone, but long I sat not, to my womb pregnant by thee, and now excessive groan, prodigious motion fell, and rueful throes. At last this odious offspring, whom thou seest, thy own begotten, 
breaking violent away, tore through my entrails, that with fear and pain distorted, all my nether shape thus grew, transformed. But he, my inbred enemy, forth issued, brandishing his fateful dart, made to destroy. I fled and cried out death, hell trembled at the hideous name, and sighed from all her caves and back resounded death. I fled, but he pursued, though more it seems, inflamed with lust than rage, and swifter far, me overtook his mother, all dismayed, and embraces forcible and foul, engendering with me, of that rape begot these yelling monsters, that with ceaseless cry surround me, as thou sawst, hourly conceived and hourly born, with sorrow infinite to me, for when they list into the womb, that bred them they return, and howl and gnaw my bowels, their repast, then bursting forth afresh with conscious terrors vex me round, that rest or intermission none I find. Before mine eyes in my, opposi in my opposition sits grim death, my son and foe, who sets them on, and me his parent would full soon devour for one of other prey, but that he knows his end with mine involved, and knows that I should prove a bitter morsel in his bane, whenever that shall be, so fate pronounced. But thou, O father, I forewarn thee, shun his deadly arrow, neither vainly hope to be invulnerable in those bright arms, though tempered heavenly from that mortal dint, save he who reigns above, none can resist. So, so strange, this like sort of, sort of sassy moment, like, oh, you don't remember me, well, we had a thing. And then to go on to tell this just like really disgusting story of, of giving birth to this monstrous sort of dead-eyed joker-faced death who's like sort of incomprehensibly big in a way that's like Satan too and the story of like rape and incest and these these vices or demons being propagated through this this sort of grisly union it is like so there's just there's just so much and the whole the whole thing seems to be in conversation with ideas about the trinity in christian theology there's a lot of language of begetting sin pops out of satan's head and then they together produce death and you're sort of getting this parodying image of father son and holy spirit father begets the son and together depending on your theology they together they sort of like produce the spirit or the spirit flows from from the father or from the son it's 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 a little confusing but we have this sort of strange begotten godhead self-begetting godhead and we get a very a, a very grim grotesque parody image of that in in the story of of sin's birth and death's birth and i'm not sure if that's supposed to be drawing attention to how weird the language of begetting is in the orthodox trinitarian statements i guess it does succeed at doing that since i'm talking about it right now it's also like this really negative perspective on sexuality which contrasts with the elevated sort of earthy appreciation for physical love that Milton 
displays when he's talking about the prelapsarian relations between Adam and Eve. And so we have this, we actually get this first. We don't meet Adam and Eve until the next few books. But we in, in this in this sequence, we get um, the first look at sex in in Paradise Lost, and it is like violent and and supposed to elicit these responses of disgust and and like ruining, I guess. And that seems significant to me that our first look at sex is of like sex gone wrong. It's also this like narcissistic sex, you know, like sin is the image of Satan that he falls in love with. And so he's like gazing at himself and like copulates with himself. So there's that going on. But I think it's interesting for all of Milton's positive valuation of human sexuality and human creation later in before the fall, before the seduction. This is our first look at it. And I think that that sort of undercuts a, a theology of creation that some Christians might want to proffer that sort of values the full range of human experiences, um, at least, you know, undercuts it in Milton, not maybe not altogether. But it seems significant to me that he seems to be trying to, to offer that at places. And this, this is actually the first thing we learn about, about sexuality. Something I mentioned before, like Satan has come off as being sort of tragically heroic to this point. And this is a moment where Milton seems to really deep, like dip him in sleaze to expose venality and viciousness to, to sort of undercut his tragic mantle. And I think that's interesting because we have these dramatic moments with Satan in the beginning of the poem, like rising out of like the, the, the lake of fire and pulling everyone together and hatching this plan and being well-spoken and a gifted orator and, you know, your archetypical rebel without a cause, <laughs> really. And then this sort of casts off the, the veil of, of that nobility and shows that there's a kind of viciousness and a kind of self-indulgence and self-obsession that is the worm gnawing its way through the the apple core of of his character that he's infected with this kind of moral contagion and maybe you might say like oh well maybe like people like the romantics Shelley's and and Byron's and and such like that actually was part of the appeal was that not only was was uh Satan a political rebel but he also transgressed mainstream moral norms uh I'm not like really in the game of trying to figure out exactly what Milton's intention was but it does seem to be an interesting jab a sort of kidney punch to, to, to Satan's stature in, in the poem. So Satan, this is all revealed to him. And I guess also to sort of add to his aura of, of unscrupulousness, he's not really repentant or disgusted with himself. Again, maybe this would really would appeal to like the kind of hardcore self-indulgent romantic. Milton writes, uh, she finished, and the subtle fiend his lore soon learned, now milder, 
and thus answered smooth. In other words, he's not about to have like a Godzilla versus King Kong battle with, with death. Dear daughter, since thou claimst me for thy sire, and my fair son here shows me the dear pledge of dalliance had with thee in heaven, and joys then sweet, now sad dimension, through direct change befallen us unforeseen, unthought of, no eye, come no enemy, but to set free from this dark and dismal house of pain. <laughs> the house of pain. Jump around! Both him and thee, and all the heavenly host of spirits that in our just pretenses armed, fell with us from on high. From them I go, this uncouth errand soul, and one for all myself exposed with lonely steps to tread the unfounded deep, and through the void immense to search with wandering quest a place foretold. Should be, and by concurring science ere now, created vast and round, a place of bliss in the purlieus of heaven, and therein placed a race of upstart creatures, to supply perhaps our vacant room, that is, the vacancies in hell, though more removed, least heaven surcharged with potent multitude, might hap to move new broils. Be this or aught, then this more secret now designed, I haste to know, and this once more shall soon return, and bring ye to the place where thou and death shall dwell at ease, and up and down unseen wing silently the buxom air embalmed with odors. There ye shall be fed and filled immeasurably, all things shall be your prey. He ceased, for both seemed highly pleased, and death grinned horrible, a ghastly smile, to hear his famine should be filled and blessed his maul destined to that good hour. No less rejoiced his mother bad, and thus bespake her sire. So she gives him the key and lets him out, basically. <laughs> she gives him the keys to the kingdom, and he's like, all right, I'm going to let you all out of this pit. You're going to get free. We've all been locked up together. I don't care if God gave you the key, who, or Raphael, or Michael, or whoever. Like, you're now going to let me out and you and my dear, dear son are going to be able to feast upon these fools on earth and it's going to be wonderful. But I, I like one of the things that, that stands out to me is like Satan's back on his bullshit. Like he's lying about finding their son fair. <laughs> like, like the, like, you know, the, the horrible ghastly grin is, is, is written in, in, Mil, in Milton's verse and Satan's like, Oh, what a beautiful boy. He looks just like you, Sin. So we know he's we know he's sort of he's sort of full of it at that point. And he's also back on his whole like I'm a martyr. I'm on this mission by myself. I'm a superhuman hero. Like take down for the cause. Like really just pushing the limits of exploration as I explore hell and I'm about to go into chaos and and like sort of go through this ordeal to free our people. So it almost seems to tell me that like part of the point with Satan is the heroic legend is like his almost it's like his own PR through the poem like Milton like almost allows us to buy into the satanic bullshit and then there's these key moments where he's like ah oh, this guy's this guy's charming and 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 uh, seductive and well spoken and you know blessed with winged words and but just sometimes he's going to tell you who he is and you should listen yeah the the editors of of the dartmouth uh point out this line where satan's like talking about his heroic mission and he says uh one for all myself exposed like he is is parodying what will be the son of god's voluntary sacrifice and and that seems that seems important that 
he is going to cast himself as as uh, the opposite to the sun or the, the sort of parody of the sun. Of course, if we're back on the Trinity thing, then Satan should be the father. Sin is the second person, which is like the son. And death is like the Holy Spirit. If you go there, I don't know. It, it's it's. But then like death is actually the one, death is the one named as son. So death corresponds with, with uh, the son of God and the second person, the Trinity. I can sort of parse that. I don't know. Again, the Trinitarian logic is is opaque. So Satan gets to get out, and he is entering into this like zone of anarchy between hell and earth, flying like here and there, like totally befuddled, not sure where he's going. He's in this zone of eternal anarchy amidst the noise of endless wars and by confusion stand. For hot, cold, moist, and dry, four champions fierce strive here for mastery and battle bring their embryon atoms. They around the flag of each's faction and their several clans, light armed or heavy, sharp, smooth, swift, or slow. So he's like in this sort of like, like warring zone of the elements. These different winds are sort of fighting for control. To whom these most adhere, he rules a moment. Chaos umpire sits, and by decision, more embroils the fray by which he reigns. Next to him, this is chaos. Him high arbiter chance governs all. In this wild abyss, the womb of nature, and perhaps her grave, of neither sea nor shore nor air nor fire, but all these in their pregnant causes mix confusedly, which thus must ever fight unless the almighty maker them ordain his dark materials to create more worlds into this wild abyss. The wary fiend stood on the brink of hell and looked a while, pondering his voyage, for no narrow frith he had heed across. It's interesting that womb imagery keeps coming back into this. There's this womb of chaos this wild abyss, the womb of nature, and perhaps her grave, the association between wombs and graves, con- you know, a container of life, a container of death. But again, be speaking major ambivalence about, <laughs> about human reproduction and embodiment, I would say. So Satan's sort of engulfed by this chaotic void, this womb grave. And it's interesting, it seems that Milton suggesting that there are elements that can be pulled out of this sort of wild laboratory to like make more worlds of God needs. But there's a kind of ancientness to this zone that calls into question a strictly linear sequential development of the different realms like heaven, earth, and hell. There's almost a sense that this might be even more ancient and, and this chaos is, 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 may even predate God in some sense. Reminds me a little bit of of some of the work we did on on Genesis and and Levinson's idea of creation being tied to a battle between watery chaos, the dragon, and Yahweh. And probably that was on Milton's mind too. But Satan has, you know, Satan's managed, this whole book, Satan is talking people into things. He talks the Stygian Council into his plan. He talks sin and death into partnering with him, the whole family reunion of the anti-trinity. And then he talks to, he talks chaos into letting him 
gain entrance to to sort of traverse this this wild zone and get to earth and the 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 deal he offers chaos and these other powers of anarchy chaos and ancient night is that he's going to basically like bring them back into power he he says uh I come no spy with purpose to explore to disturb the secrets of your realm, but by constraint wandering this darksome desert as my way lies through your spacious empire up to light, alone without guide, half lost. I seek what readiest path leads where your gloomy bounds confined with heaven, or if some other place from your dominion wan, the ethereal king possesses lately. Thither to arrive, I travel this profound, direct my course." Directed no mean recompense it brings to your behoof. If I that region lost, all usurpation thence expelled, reduced to our original darkness and your sway, which is my present journey, and once more erect the standard there of ancient night, yours be the advantage, all mine the revenge. So he's like, I'm going to like mess up this new world and destroy it and bring it into a state of anarchy, which is going to benefit you. And it's like, is your anarchic empire. But chaos, or as Milton names him, the, the anarch old, answers with faltering speech and visage incomposed. I know thee, stranger, who thou art. He's like, I know who you are, dude. I've seen everything that happened. I, upon my frontiers, keep residence. If all I can will serve, that little which is left so to defend, encroached on still through our int- intestine broils, weakening the scepter of old night. First hell, your dungeon stretching far and wide beneath. Now lately heaven and earth, another world hung o'er my realm, linked in a golden chain. To that side, heaven from which, from whence your legions fell. If that way be your walk, you have not far, so much the nearer danger. Go and speed, havoc and spoil and ruin are my gain. So yeah, again, a sign that this realm of chaos, chaos's anarchic empire, is older than heaven and earth and hell and is being encroached upon by the biblical God. And he's like, yeah, man, go and mess shit up. Fuck shit up because, like, that's that's what I need. Like, this, all this, all this uh, prissy, needless order is, is, is encroaching on, on what I need to be doing here. And Satan's like, doesn't even reply. He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> He's like, I need to get through this mess. This is like foggy, windy, blustery, formless void of graves and wombs. I need to like get through this so I can be born into the world and destroy it. So yeah, like I said, back to the scene of the podcast crime. Back in Milton a little bit, just checking in, readings, rereading. Rewriting is writing, so doing a bit of that with this. And yeah, just uh, thinking out loud here for a little bit. Thank you for, for indulging me. Also, it's just it's important for me to emphasize the, the fascination of this epic poem. I think I was prejudiced against it as a teenager watching National Lampoon's Animal House when Donald Sutherland is trying to teach Paradise Lost to a very bored classroom. Never been there. I can't say I've been there. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's like doing his best to make it seem interesting. And then he just gives up and he's like, yeah, it's really boring. 
and really just you know you don't you don't go to National Lampoon for your literary criticism or to tell you what to think about literature, but yeah, they're they're really they really did some harm there, and I'm I'm here to undo that. I'm here to work against National Lampoon Animal House hegemony. Paradise Lost. Well, it's a very long poem, a long time ago, and I'm sure a lot of you have difficulty understanding exactly what Milton was trying to say. Certainly we know that he was trying to describe the struggle between good and evil, right? Okay. The most intriguing character, as we all know from our reading, was... Now, was Milton trying to tell us that being bad was more fun than being good? Okay. Don't write this down, but I find Milton probably as boring as you find Milton. Mrs. Milton found him boring, too. He, uh, he's a little bit long-winded. He doesn't translate very well into our generation, and his jokes are terrible. But that does not relieve you from your responsibility for this material. Now, I'm waiting for reports from some of you. I'm not joking. This is my job. The, the, the culture of, of uh, frat boy enabling that... that slanders interesting demonological works from from uh the english canon the english literary canon so yeah that's all i guess for right now we just put out an episode on neoplatonism we had a great interview with s jonathan o'donnell about their book passing orders we've been doing a lot this month and I wanted to get this one out. It's been on my mind for weeks, and I just like couldn't quite put it together. But yeah, I needed to get this out. It was important for me to like have this thought. And probably it's pretty just like basic, you know, like Satan, sin, death as anti-trinity, blah blah blah. Beyond the the sort of what is by now a truism that the satanic is always like this funhouse parody mirror of the divine. I do kind of value the, the character development that comes through these little reveals about Satan's perfidy and deceptiveness and self, maybe even self-deception that comes out of this, this section. So I just I needed to sort of come back to it and and sort of work through some of it. So yeah, thanks for, for being, being here for that. Thank you for listening. And yeah, if you, if you like it, tell a friend. That's, 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 that, would, that would really go a long way. I'll do both sides. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This pod is made possible by support from the Satanic Horde, Asmodeus, Mammon, Leviathan, Beelzebub, and listeners like you. Thank you.